Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their $5,000 a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just, uh, they just made it so it's uh, a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah. I mean, they uh, came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it, uh, they're offering credit card processing for 1.99% or 10 cents a, a swipe, but... And what's cool about that is that they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah. You know? So they're going to give it to you free and then only charge you 1.99% per- with... Uh, 10 cent a swipe fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. Um, and also what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the, uh, you know, the, the, the already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's can't it. get easier than that either. I'm like, <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, you know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called, the rock stars. The rock stars. So you still have the love, same. Love the rock stars. The rock stars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah. And then for uh, more information, just visit schedulicitycares.com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedulicity Cares. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey and of course I sit with my best bud, Tone. What's up, Tone? What's up, brother? Today's a nice day, dude. I love I love stories. Uh, today's story in particular because you have a hairdresser who becomes an inventor that kind of really uh, helps our industry in a big way. No doubt. I, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited for that as well. Um, an inventor, man. That's something to sit on, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and, and the what it takes to get to where she's at right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like any of us, right, in our community, a hairdresser, I mean, it it stops where your imagination stops, right? That's it. So if you can think it, you can literally make it happen. And the proverbial, the sky's the limit. Exactly. Today's, uh, her story will be the living proof. <laughs> She's looking down at the clouds. She's way yeah. up in the sky. <laughs> hey, hey. Awesome. So uh today our guest is Alicia Soulier. And she um she is, like you said, the inventor, the founder, the CEO, the everything of salon scales, which is uh which is just she she saw the need and she created this product. Before we get into that, let's get into her. Yeah, let's 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 learn about Alicia a little bit. So Miss Alicia Soulier. I got it. Welcome got to it. your day off. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. A hundred percent, dude. Let's let uh, welcome, welcome. And uh, I know it took us a little bit to get on, but uh, but 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 welcome to the show. Thank you. So, 
where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Yes, it's a tongue twister. And that is in Canada. That's another one, right? We've had a few guests from up in that area. Yep. We got big dreams. We got big Especially dreams coming for, from here. Yeah, us Southerners from the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> My tongue gets tied all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> whoever thought of that, though, <laughs> to name a town like that. <laughs> right? I mean... So, so you grew up there? You grew up there in the, the Great White North? Uh, yes, I actually um, was born in Ontario. I was just outside of Niagara Falls. And uh, my family decided to move to Saskatchewan. And that's where I, ra- I was basically raised there since two years of age. And I've been here ever since. That's pretty awesome. Where, um, how'd, you find, how'd you find the, uh, the hair world? Um, it all, I always say it started with Barbie. (laughs) I was (laughs) obsessed with, you know, braiding Barbie's hair and doing Barbie's hair. And I knew that I wanted to have a career in in hairdressing. Uh, so I went to hair school right after high school. I I went for it. I got a scholarship. I won a scholarship and went to hair school. And I knew I fell in love from just as a early little child. So how, how many hair schools are in Saskatoon? There is only one now <laughs> the only other one closed down but yeah there's one now so i can see like a like the the hair school hall of fame <laughs> you have all these like wayne gruns <laughs> alicia <laughs> you know what i mean like all these big time hairdressers coming out of this little town yeah it's amazing like the people that 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 this little town has uh has produced in our industry right yeah that's crazy so alicia um so so it was a proper school that it wasn't like a you know, part of your high schooling or anything. It was an actual. Proper no, it was school. an actual school. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So did you go right after high school or did you wait a little bit? Yeah, I, I got that scholarship. So I won the scholarship from my high school and then I went to MC college right after high school. That's pretty cool. What, um, and then, so, uh, did you, uh, after, after you went to school and stuff, did you apprentice or what was that path like? I did. I, um, I actually apprenticed for about a year, um, in a, in a salon, a high-end salon here in Saskatoon. Uh, and I learned all the things I needed to know to start working for myself. And that's kind of, that's my start. I went right into assisting, which I, I strongly suggest anybody doing to get, get a good grasp of how to navigate your way through the industry. But yeah, I did that first and then went off to doing my own thing. So you went from that salon to working for yourself? Yeah, you I, another I only worked at the salon for four years and then I opened up um, a chair. I worked for myself for about a year um, and then I opened a, sol- a 10 chair salon when I was 24 years old. Whoa. So at 23, you went into like, what was it like a suite yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. 23, um, I went in as a suite owner. 24, I... Um, I basically went and built out a 10 chair salon in, in my city. Did you think was when you, um, at 23, did you purposefully know that, that you wanted to open a salon? Did you use that opportunity to open the salon like that one year or yes. was it just like, I so wanted it, to, it was purposeful. yeah, you know, out, out of respect to my boss, I knew I wanted the same color brand. I was using Aveda at the time and in a small city, I didn't want to build my team and build um, the relationship with the same supplier underneath his nose. So I specifically went and rented a chair first to build the relationships on my own um, and then built up the salon that way so that it, it like I just didn't want out of respect to him ever to you know take from what he built for me I wanted to give him the respect and, and take that on my own 
And how did he respond when you gave him the news that you were leaving? I mean, I think it's devastating in general. Like, I think, you know, we, we have a good relationship now. And, and even too, when I left, he was very supportive on everything that I needed to do. I think it's just hard because you do want to keep people in your bubble for a long time. And it's just hard when it doesn't work out. I respect that he, uh, he was still open to having a relationship with you. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. And even like my first year opening the salon, I'd run out of, you know, certain products. And because we are in a small town, we don't have that product right on the shelf. So I would call him and he would let me come and get product from his salon for my salon. Like that shows, (laughs) shows how supportive he was of me. That's incredible, man. Thank you. Big, big, uh, you know, hand out to him, man. That's awesome. So does entrepreneurship run in your family? I mean, at 23 going on your own and then 24 opening up your salon, that, that's a lot of guts. Where did you get the, the I guess, moxie? Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say not really. I do have an uncle that was an entrepreneur, but I think I was the youngest of two older brothers and I always had something to prove. I wanted to be just like the boys and do um, things just like them and um, be treated as equal. So I think entrepreneurship was a natural position for me Um, from playing sports. I was always like the captain of teams and that taught me how to really develop and teach others to grow. And then from there, I just saw inefficiencies in, in the business. And I, I knew that I wanted to do something to solve things. And I think naturally the entrepreneur came out um, early on. Um, and I think it's a factor of all the things from how I was raised to the environments I was in to today. That makes sense. You know, what would, so when you first opened your salon, so here you are 24 years old and you have your 10 chairs, like when you opened up your door, how many, how many uh, stylists did you have come with you? I had three um, and two of them were brand new stylists. Um, one of them had a clientele and then myself had a clientele. Wow. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty intimidating to build a business with just, uh, just two client, two clientele bases. Yeah. Yeah. And our, our rent was not cheap. So <laughs> it was a lot of work <laughs> for a while, but it was good. And sometimes that's what you got to do in order to succeed, right? Get to, to the next level is to prove yourself and take that risk of, you know what? I might not get paid, but you know what I mean? I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. I, I, I can't even think about that. <laughs> you know, bringing on a staff like that. And you had like a receptionist and all that good stuff. I didn't hire a receptionist for the first, I think 13 to 14 months. Um, I just couldn't afford the receptionist. So we would just take turns answering the phone at that time. Um, I double booked, if not triple booked myself to bring in as much revenue as possible um, to help pay those things. And once we got to that point, then we hired a receptionist and then a manager and then everything else from there. Kind of fell together then at that point. So how many, how long before you started uh, picking up staff and stuff? Very quickly. We grew really fast. Um, By time I hit the four year mark, I had all 10 chairs filled and we were close to 1.5 million in annual sales. Um, we were cooking and I think it came from that, that small town grit. And I think, you know, a lot of people think you're from the prairies, like you can only charge so much. And I wanted to change that stigma and I wanted to prove that you can do anything. So really growing myself to a six figure hairdresser, I, that was my big focus with everybody else was how do I make more and more? Um, and that's what I did. I grew them to be six figure hairdressers in Saskatoon. Saskatoon. How did you, um, 
how did you do that? I mean, how did you, how did you change perspective? Uh, Cause you, you also have to change the perspective or the perception, I guess, of your, of your guest as well. Like, yeah, it just sounds very challenging to me. There, there's a lot of people you have to uh, kind of prove. I think it comes to like the mindset of your employees really. And taking that time to really um, shift their mindset and make them feel more mind positive about being a stylist than saying yes to everybody. Um, just saying yes to the right ones. And what I did is I used to do this thing where I'd said, let me paint a picture for you. This is my favorite way of coaching. I'd say, let me paint a picture. If you went to a doctor and the doctor was telling them, telling you how great their weekend was, you wouldn't really think that doctor was very professional, would you? And so if you want to be treated like a professional in this industry, then you need to approach yourself and have dialects and dialogues like these doctors so that you can, you know, attract that type of clientele. And so the more that you kind of paint these stories and give analogies and really help coach the mindset of the hairdresser, the faster you're going to find the changes within their, their chair and, and the revenue will come in from there. Love that. Can you kind of, um, can you kind of explain what you meant by mom, mind? positive. It's kind of a keyword that, 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 that I stuck on. Yeah. Mind positive. I think we live in an industry that's very easy to get distracted on the negative side. Um, whether stylist is doing better than I am, they're posting this, um, they're a lot stronger. How do we become mind fit and how do we, um, be more mind positive? And so challenging yourself every day, um, and giving yourself those, um, mornings where you start off by being positive and be grateful and have gratitude for what you are doing and the customers that are coming in really shifts the mindset. So that's how we usually start a day at the salon was let's talk about the three things you're super grateful for today and the clients that you can't wait to see more than focusing on the ones that you're, you know, maybe not excited for. Um, and how do we make sure that you're mind positive for the whole day, if not the whole week, if no, the whole month, the year, just be mind positive in general. So, I love that. I love that too, right? Yeah. So did you, ha- you, did you have meetings every morning before you guys got started? Did you guys have, not really meetings, but maybe little powwows or something? I always coach in real time. So if I saw someone coming in, um, they looked a little bit down, I'd instantly take some time and give them that like five minute, um, make you feel better moment. Um, the inspirational kind of mind positive shift that needed to happen. And right. I think we would start, I would start that daily. And in any aspect of my day, I was very aware of when stylists were feeling throughout the day, those moments. So I just pull them aside and make them feel better. I love that. And like to be a proactive, uh, owner is, uh, yeah. pretty cool, right? Mad respect for that. Right. That's so cool. So what have, um, kind of give our listeners, like, what have some of your challenges been as far as, uh, as a salon owner, like, you know, coaching people or, or, or just kind of give us some, uh, some of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of challenges you're going to have. I think structure is really the hardest thing. I think we hear this over and over where people talk about when you say structure. Do you kind of mean like systems? Yes. And stuff? Yes. I think people talk about structures and systems a lot and, they, they think that that's the answer to help um, keep consistency within their business. But I think the biggest thing starts within yourself. I think as a salon owner, you really need to spend time um, being mind fit for yourself. And if you're giving yourself to all your stylists all the time, you need to find out what do you need, what programs and courses do you need to take to fill your cup up so you can keep doing that. Structure works in both ways. And I think in our industry, 
The problem is, is that some of us are so creative mindset that even the thought of structure is like, it's crippling. So <laughs> like kryptonite, right? You're like, <laughs> I can't do this. Constricted. <laughs> right. So I think just being honest with, you know, people through the process and saying, you know, I want to put things down to kind of measure to see what I'm doing is right. And maybe this is the direction we might go in, but I need to try this, whatever it is. I think um, for me, the biggest obstacle I had was structure. And because I'm a creative mindset, um, I had a hard time navigating how to say yes or no to certain things. So I'd say that was my biggest thing is just um, separating myself from those big decisions. I love that. What, so did you, did you recommend like classes or something uh, to your staff that, that weren't like hair based, like, you know, like how to do a balayage or how to do whatever, like, like what was that? What's that process look like for you? Um, yeah, so I always encouraged uh, my staff to take education. So they always would take, you know, cutting color education. Um, a couple courses a year, they were, they had to take three, three technical classes a year. So between cuts and colors and styling, they had to take three courses a year, um, whether they were in Saskatoon or outside. And then we always did things as a team. So what I did was I um, got us to go and get, classes with like a meditation specialist and like we went and did um did like yoga and i i remember having like a pretend staff meeting but then i had my friend come in and do yoga and so they, doing stuff like that just so that we can like figure out how to be again mind mind positive but how to give back um to make sure that people are healthy to get through what they need to that's awesome so so on the other three classes a year when uh, they go out and receive education, would you set up something where they would come back and share amongst the rest of the salon or? Yes. I think it's really important to encourage others to share what they've learned and share it immediately. If you don't use it, you lose it. We know that. So mm -hmm. I think it's important when they go to this outside education to be celebrated and to let them have that five minutes in a staff meeting or let them share those moments so that they can grow taller. And I think you got to look at planting the seeds within your company so that people have a voice so that it goes beyond you so that you can, you know, keep growing and keep having strong roots with people that know that they, they can have a voice and they can share what they've learned too. What's that old saying? Best way to learn is to teach. Yes. Yep. You know, so it's a reinforcing, you know, what they learned on their, on their, on their outage. So what, um, as a salon owner, what kind of, uh, what kind of challenges did you, uh, have you faced? I think the biggest one was staying behind my chair and working for my business, working in and out of the business is a very big challenge. And, um, I think, you know, I've heard Gina talk about this on your podcast and it's this ego that you have that you feel like everybody needs you and you're consistently trying to um, be there for everybody. And the reality is you can't. And I think just learning what, what are these key performance indicators in my business that move forward um, without me there? And when you start to focus on that and you start to focus on how do you keep moving those levers um, to keep providing a more powerful business, then it gives you more confidence to step away from the chair and focus just on those key performance indicators. And that truly took me about three years to get that to that position. But then I pulled myself into a position where I was just running the business instead of working in it. Mm. 
That's got to be scary, though. I know. I, just, I, I was having anxiety when she was saying, right. you know? but I think that's part of the process, too, that anxiety, because I'm sure hers was crazy, too. It's even harder mm-hmm. in a small town and you go to get groceries and you see your angry clients being like, why aren't you still doing hair? And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> you're like, OK, I will. I'll meet you there. Yeah, now, now I drive to the other town for groceries. That's that's you. She's in hiding. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. So, um, so other than like, yeah, like personal challenges, what um, what challenges did you find like in the industry or 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 how we've we, the systems that we've set up as an industry? Like, did you find challenges with those? Yes, um, I think our personally, I think our entire financial model in a salon is flawed. Um, and I knew this after years and years of not having the cash flow in my business, um, not finding out, you know, we'd build, we'd build these big days and have all this revenue in. But by the time I paid the stylist, uh, by the time I paid the bills, there was really no cash flow in the business. And that's, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, something needs to change. I couldn't, ha- I couldn't handle having a 4%, between 4 and 8% profit margin, I think is the average. Um, and it, it just is sad. Like I couldn't live in an industry that a salon only had that as profit. So that made me start to like the entrepreneur in me start to think like, what are we doing that we're, we, we can change this and how do we build a new financial model that provides a higher profit margin? Um, and that kind of led me to really salon scale. So kind of give us the, uh, the, 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 the breeze over of what salon scale does and, 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 and how it's helped your business. Perfect. So I think the biggest thing was every day when you go and mix color, um, I have the same problem as everybody else. You go and mix the color. You don't really know how much you're using. And then you go to charge the customer and you're like, yeah, 150, I think is good. But you don't really know if you use $10 of color. You don't know if you use two or 27. And so you're just charging the customer. And mm-hmm. what we call in business, that's, a, that's the bottom line. That's consistently unpredictable. And I don't know a single other business that runs where they don't manage their cost of goods. And that kind of was about two years ago that I thought, you know, it's like we just need an update in technology. Um, it's like we just need a new scale. And that's when I was like, holy crap, we just need a new scale. So <laughs> essentially, Salon Scale is it's the most simplest thing ever. It's just an app that when you select the tube that you're using, it picks it up like a Bluetooth connection and says exactly how much it is to the ground. That's what it does. Whoa. So, okay. I'm confused by this. So it, 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 it talks to Bluetooth through the app on your phone or on your software. Yep. And then, so you pick up like a 5N, yep. right? And then how does it, how does it, help me out? How does it, how does it know? So we program the whole app for you. So we, whatever color line you're using, we have it in the app. And let's say you're using um, 6N, you will press 6N and squeeze it into the bowl. And in real time, it's going to send it over to the app and tell you with, with a Bluetooth connection, it'll send it over and it'll tell you exactly the cost per gram. Whoa. 
And then will it, it also tell you waste at the end? Are you, are you measuring at, at, at the end of the service as well? Well, you know what? We are a cost management solution more than a waste management solution. But if you can imagine in time, you actually will waste less. And I kind of say it's kind of like the whole Starbucks theory. Like if you think if you spent $7 on a thing of Starbucks, like you, you're going to hold on to that crap all day. Like you're going to hold on to the Starbucks <laughs> cup until it's like cold. You'll reheat it because you spent $7 on it, right? And so by being able to see the actual cost of a bowl, stylists naturally start to use less because they know that's going down the drain because they associate it with a, a dollar value more than just not knowing. And so what I find is actually these salons are starting to use less and less color per application because they know how much it's costing and they, and they don't want to throw down $10 down the drain because they know how much it costs. That's yeah. brilliant. It is kind of brilliant. Remember, uh, you know, one of the lessons that uh, that our old boss Reg Laws gave me was that when you throw color in the trash, the only one that makes money are the color companies, right? Yeah. The salons not making money, and and, and the stylists isn't making money. So the only one that's making money is the is the is the big corporations, essentially, right? Always. So. And, you know, the corporations are the ones that told us how to price our services too, right? So if you think oh, yeah. it's, 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 we're getting told how to price our colors by the people who are charging us for the color. So it doesn't make sense on a financial model. And by giving salons, stylists, um, the power to see how much things are costing, we now invert the system. We now put the power back into the salons um, to make the decision on what they should be buying, how much they should be charging for it, and how to keep up with the supply. Yeah. And if you are a stylist, uh, you know, it's very important for you to get into that habit uh, for your for your salon owner, because one day you might be Alicia and decide that you're going to go on your own and go in a studio and that way you already have the good habits of, you know, saving uh, color, right? Yeah, 100%, right? Well, and even too for the stylists, it's, it's the word transparency. Our industry needs transparency more than now than ever. And your customers really need to know what they're paying for. So now knowing that they're only being charged for what they're using instead of some blanket flat fees, they're going to be a lot more loyal to you. And then not only that, we do produce a digital color record. So these stylists are now going to be able to have an actual record of the color that they're using. Um, so they'll have their formula saved and the customers, they they're already doing this in every other industry. If they go and get groceries, they're getting charged by weight. If they go and get ice cream, like you're getting charged by weight. And if they get work done on their vehicles, they're already separating parts from labor, every other industry. It's time that our industry starts to separate the parts from labor as well. Love that. Well, that holds you accountable, right? If you're charging your client by weight and they see you throwing stuff away, it's not going to take too long for them to be like, wait a sec, I paid for that. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? So, uh, okay. Nuts and bolts. Ready? Yep. Like how much, how much are you charging in your salon? Are you charging by the ounce or by the gram or, or, or what is that? And then, and then how do you, how do you uh, mitigate or manage that? So what we do is we have one formula and it's parts plus labor equals price. So what we do is salon scale is going to tell me how much it costs per gram or per ounce. So let's say a customer, it costs me $12.50 and in, I charge $50 an hour and I took two hours, I would charge $112 and 50 cents to the customer. So you're not, so you're not charging the customer any, like uh, you talk about car parts, they always up the car parts. So you're just, you're just charging them what that color is. 
I think you should make money on every aspect. So as far as a markup on your color, I suggest a markup as well on that color. Um, that allows you to have a lot more um, flexibility on stocking your shelves. And when you think about retail, I mean, there's no questioning it. You do a markup on retail because you need it to sit on the shelf and you need it to turn. So color is no different and we need to have a markup on color because we need to make sure that the color sitting on the shelf is paid for, not just going to go in the garbage. Got it. So are you, uh, do you, are you charging, like if it's a $10 tube, are you charging $20 for that tube yes. or uh, to your, to your client as well? I highly or then, yes. portion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or a portion of that, right? So if they use a half a tube, that would be a $10 charge. Yep. And then they would just, yeah, you'd mark it up whatever value you want, 50, hundred uh, percent markup. As long as, as long as it has a little margin to it, um, that produces cash flow in your business to keep supporting, you know, new intros, new color lines, new products. Um, because essentially, like I said, that 8% profit margin, that's a pretty standard average. It's not enough money to, to keep investing back in the industry. So we need a new revenue model. That's why we created this model. I also love it too, because especially when you start talking about Vivid's colors, uh, um, they're way more expensive per ounce than say like tube color. So it's really, and you can set that aside, right? Like, you know what it is. So like, it's like, okay, well, you know, this tube costs me whatever, $20 a tube or whatever, whatever the math is, but you can break it down by product you as bet. well. And we can tell you which bowl it was in too. So those vivid colors, you know, we've never really had something that tracks it down to the gram. So like if you wanted that, you know, um, aquamarine purple that you, you handmade, you now have the exact formula so that the next time that customer comes in, you now can do that exact color again. Whereas vivids are very creative. So we say color your way and leave the rest to us. Whatever way you want to color, we'll track it and we'll tell you how much it costs. And then you can either do the color again or you have a good history of, of what you've been using. Mm. Damn it. That's, 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 that's brilliant. I don't even do color and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so crazy, isn't it? All right. Oh. All right, Alicia. Now, now we're gonna, I'm going to take you back. So uh, yeah. now how in the hell <laughs> did a hairstylist standing behind the chair and, you know, not to say that we're idiots, but like, how'd you figure out like the technology of it? What, what help did you get? Like, like that, that blows me away, man. Well, you definitely have to have a lot of, you know, a lot of guts to take on this industry. Um, and both industries between the, the salon industry and the tech industry, they're, they're, there's a lot of working pieces, but I think what happened was I saw a window and that moment I had that light bulb moment and I saw that there was an opportunity to fix it, I went straight to a third party builder. So I found a company that builds local apps and I went there and had a meeting with them. And within a week, I had them already working on the prototype. We already trademarked the name Salon Scale and we were ready to build our first prototype. And again, I think it came down to that is I knew that this was a, the smallest window and I had to jump. And it, it cost me my life savings and it cost me to jump, but I knew that it was the one thing that I wanted to leave a mark on this industry. What was my purpose? And this was truly guiding me to that inner purpose, that inner why. Why do I want to exist in this industry? And to be able to help salons become more profitable, to help stylists feel more empowered um, when they're making color decisions and really truly change the way that the salon salons are charging um, for services is exactly what mark I wanted to make in this world. So I jumped and when I did, I didn't look back and 
I got the I got this company to build me a good MVP uh, product. And you guys, when I saw that for the first time, when I saw the a pen put on a scale and it told me how much that was in Olaplex, I almost died. I was like, oh my goodness, this is the future right here. It was incredible. Did you start crying? Because I kind of got choked up when you were telling that story I watching. I did. I actually cried. And it was just surreal because, you know, in those moments, like people don't know about that. And I'm, I'm glad you asked this because I had like, I had a team of developers come into my salon. I mixed colors in front of them. They would watch and they would study and they would see how we did things. And the one thing I asked was, please don't make this too technical. Like this is the most creative aspect of our business. We cannot make this overly complicated or people will not use it. And I am just so proud of how it worked out. And when it came through, I knew that I knew that everything would change from there. That's what you just said is genius. If it's too complex or too complicated, we're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, honestly, Alicia, like I was around when we were, um, when we were like, just, you know, squirting an inch here, squirting an inch there, you know, even the scales was like, was like a, a transition that we had to do, uh, you know, early on. And, and, and people found that that was too, uh, too complicated. Um, I loved it. I love this guy. I still use this guy all the time. What's great is that, especially with her product, if you're short of color, you can add two. So next time it'll know exactly how much you need. Exactly. And vice versa. Yes. We, we, we have the whole ordering thing down and, and that's where I see the future going, you know, being able to automate the system. I don't think anyone should have to rip a tube or call an order in, um, at all. I think this whole industry should be automated and it's screaming for a disruption and I'm knocking on the door to make it happen. I love that. I'm surprised none of the, co- the color companies aren't in bed with you. I mean, <laughs> you know, especially if that's the next thing, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pre-order color, then you know, that only benefits them as well. Right. You know? Okay. So, all right. A couple holes in your story. Yep. So not in your story, but just kind of, if you can kind of explain this through. So, it's not just an app, right? So you had to have a physical scale made as well. And that scale then had to talk to, were there even Bluetooth scales available? And if there's, <laughs> if there was, why, why were they around? <laughs> um, yeah. So when I had that, like, holy crap, it's a scale moment. I went on Amazon and I bought seven Bluetooth kitchen scales. And that's where it started was testing all seven of them. Now, what I learned on the technical side was they all had a different Bluetooth standard. So what that, mean, what that means is I couldn't build one app to talk to all of them unless I wanted to spend like over $100,000. So I picked one of them. And the one I picked was a, um, a scale just from China that essentially talks to our, to our app. And we give them free with subscriptions because that's another thing is I didn't want to have salons having to buy a ton of hardware as well. Um, so we give it free with your subscription. Mm, I love that. You know, that's brilliant. Yeah. How many scales do you give? You give just one and then are, are more scales uh, available to purchase? If, if I just answered your question or maybe I didn't, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> My question. Um, yeah. So we give you your first one um, on us and any additional one we sell them. Um, we also have distributor partnerships. Um, so one of them being like cow corporation, um, they have our scales as well. So you can purchase it from a retailer like that and, or you can purchase it from us. Mm, just making things so, so, so simple. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's just another opportunity to, to keep the money in the stylus or the salon owner's pocket. Exactly. 
All right, hot seat time. You ready? I'm ready. So why? So um, uh, a skeptical salon owner, right? Mm-hmm. So if how do I know that my monthly fee isn't now eating up that money that I'm supposed to be saving? Well, it's very simple. If you basically just take the amount of color you're purchasing in a month with our app, we can give you that back in profit. So if you spend, you know, $1,200 a month in color and you mark up that color hundred percent, you're now going to get $1,200 a month back using our financial system. So salon scale, ultimately what you're paying for is the data you're paying for the simplicity and the, and the basically ability to see what is moving from each stylus um, or moving in and out of that salon. So whether you're an independent or a salon or a franchise, we've really made it so that it, you're going to get everything with your subscription and more back to make those decisions so that you can make way more profit. And I've seen one of our biggest salons has increased their profit by $45,000 this year holy cow $45,000 just from using our product wow that is amazing and then we also have um Josie Valet is one of our customers as well and Josie's increased her sales by $22,600 she just went and did a post and about it and she loves it too it's just one of those things I think when people find out what salon skill actually does for the business they're they're there isn't a question about the subscription. So, so does the uh, subscription is under the salon and then every stylist gets the download an app from it or, I mean, yes. So one account. Yep. So the admin or the owner of the account has the information and then they give access to their um, staff uh, to have a, a user account with the salon that they work at. I love this, man. Yeah, it couldn't get in any easier than that. Nope, not at all, right? And then you said it, it actually stores the formulas and stuff too inside the app? Yeah, so we store formulas by customer so that we you always have that history. We also store how, like, how much color you're using per day, per month. Um, and then we also do suggestive ordering. So we basically, you can print off a a shopping list of everything you've used that day, that week, that month, um, so that it makes it very easy to do an order. You just email that to your rep, and there's your order. Boom, love that. Um, I love. I use Redkin, and I love Redkin. And um, my question to you, as kind of like a third person between the color and between my salon or second person or whatever, um, like shades is always releasing new colors. So how long does it take before those, those new colors make it onto your platform? Well, we're really lucky. Um, three of our distributors are Redken uh, based distributors. So color lines that are a little bit more popular, like Redken, uh, we get the updates within, um, within a day max. So as soon as we get it, we get it implemented and it's done. Um, instantly. So the downtime of a new shade, we usually get the information before it even launches so we can launch that. So it'll be in your software before it's even available to the public? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Again, you're, you're probably busy. You're a salon owner, you're a solopreneur. You're too busy to focus on what the inventory is doing. So we want to do it for you. These are things that automation and technology can do, but we need to just start building it and making it that way. So it should be up to us to make sure things are updated instead of the busy salon owner that's doing a hundred jobs anyways. I love this. I kind of like, I want to get my hands in, you know, 
in on it now. You know, right, yeah, wanna, exactly. Like, like, like it sounds awesome, but like until you kind of physically do it, go, oh, that was really easy. You know, that's right. kind of whatever. Well, um, that's pretty cool. Um, what's dude, next? I mean, what's next on on, on scale platform? I mean, what is, what is your I mean, what are you guys up to right now? Um, so we're up to lots. We just actually raised um, a big seed round of funding. So we raised a million dollars with some. Congratulations. Thank you. That took me a long time to learn how to actually pitch the product. I had to pitch it in front of 400 people. I had to pitch in front of individuals. So it was really empowering. Again, you talked about me being behind my chair. And if I would have known a year later, I'd be pitching for millions of dollars. Um, that was an incredible shift in my life, but I knew that I had to fight for the industry. So I'm very thankful that that converted and um, that's come in. So now we have a team of 10 here in Saskatchewan that are growing this product. So what's next for us is we are uh, changing a few of, uh, changing up our app a little bit with the feedback from our customers. So we're basically making it look prettier um, and we are adding more features into the dashboard to make it easier for people to onboard themselves. Um, and then we are working into the future. And when I talked about that ordering, that's our relationships with our distributors and we want to make more relationships with our software companies um, to be able to integrate with them because I think these are great. Uh, it's a great perk for the customer. So we could um, send over the cost to the POS system and the POS system would send the customer list to us. So basically we would, in, we were focusing on integrations and partnerships um, as we keep scaling our product this year. Alicia, and, and back up. So how long have you been in business? How long, how long from when you had that idea when you're like, oh, we got to do a scale? How did you scale the scale? Yeah. You like that, so <laughs> two, years ago was, two years ago was when I had my light bulb moment, but we launched our product June 8th of 2018. So we have just been around for about a year and a half. Um, and we've had over a thousand, we're almost at 1,100 salons that have signed up for our product. Um, and we're, we're scaling really, really, really fast. No pun intended on the scale. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, go with it. Go with it. Go with it. But Alicia, that's incredible. Talk about a go-getter. Hey, I got an idea. Two years later. Two years later. Boom. You know, (laughs) how you like me now? How you like me now? (laughs) That is incredible. I guess it's sort of like, you know, Hey, uh, I just got out of hair school. All right. I'm gonna go assist. We're going to salon. Boom. I own a salon. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. By the time she's 24. That's no joke. I mean, I my hat's off to you, honestly. I mean, you. Oh, thank you. I mean, like, like we talked about earlier, like somebody, uh, you know, from a hairdresser to an inventor to, I mean, you are a go-getter. Mad respect. Mad, mad. I, I kind of like, hey, Alicia, next time you have a light bulb moment, let us know. Maybe Tony and I want to invest early. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really, dude, I'm, I'm like, it's a, it's an incredible idea. It's a, an incredible product. Um, conceptually, obviously I haven't played with it, but just like, just so cool. And, and, and again, I, I can't believe how quick this turnaround was, you know, especially when it comes to technology and stuff, you know, just, just to get the technology down usually takes a few years. I can't believe that, that, you know, it, you're what, six months in or something or, or, you know, nine months in and, and you're already launching a product. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have nothing else to say. Hats off. Hats off. I'm in all of you. Well, I have to say, I 
I also got into an, a local accelerator. So this, um, I got into a program called Collabs, which is a technical incubator for startups. And I was competing against 30, um, 30 startups. And this, I actually won. I, I won that. So yeah. I was proud. Was <laughs> Thank you. I um, was the only female. I was the only non-tech and I was the only one in the beauty industry. So I think I won against people that were doing like AI and like all this crazy technical um, products. Um, but I think because again, the reason why I think it's scaling is because it's the timing of everything. And since Instagram has changed the game of our world and um, we look at that 10 years ago, you know, we started we started coloring hair completely differently and that's why this all kind of propelled to today i think and why it's hitting the market the right time because people are seeing this massive loss in their back bar and i think they're they're seeing how easy this solution is and that's what's really propelling it to go fast is there a way to kind of like i mean other other product shortage um areas would it be possible to do like with back bar with shampoo with conditioner is that something you guys have thought about or is it even possible or would you have to weigh it out and just make it all complex too complex i think in all honesty i think every every um product manufacturer has different uh, kickbacks so some people are paying for their back bar products some people aren't um some people are getting 20 percent off some people are so there's a lot of logistical errors that are kind of happening there that needs to be corrected so i think color is the first way to actually fix this issue in the supply right. chain so once you kind of get through the automation and you have that whole distribution channel lined up and the logistical ordering then for sure you can get to any other product in a salon and automate the whole thing if it can be scanned and it can be measured it can be managed so that's the only thing we need to get to is if we can measure it we can manage it mm. talk about a solution for a problem yeah you ain't kidding you know because <laughs> i guess like she said the timing was everything right yeah because color waste has been a a, a salon uh, owners, uh, conversation forever, forever. You know what I mean? That's something that they've been trying to figure out how to, you know, cut back on waste and boom. You know what I mean? Once you know, you put everybody what the cost is in everybody's eyes and it automatically happened. I like it. Yep. It's a way of doing it. Right. It's awesome. Alicia, I, I again, like Tony, I'm in all of what you're up to and what you're doing and, and, and just, and, and the creative gonads to go out there and get it. It's it, <laughs> amazing too. You know, I think it was Ray Kroc that said, uh, the, the owner of McDonald's, I think he said, there's never been a million dollar idea. There's only been million dollar effort. And, yeah. and, and you know, and, and, and I, again, I commend you for that because, you know, it's one thing to have an, I've had a million ideas and, you know, nothing's done with them. I don't have a scale. I don't have a, What's the long scale <laughs> with well, that? You have this podcast, which is incredible as well. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing not only your journey, but, you know, salon scale with us. I can't wait to see how this thing, you know, I know revolutionized the industry. I've got a side eye on it now. Right. <laughs> you know, yep. I can't wait. Well, I we, say, you we know at least we knew her early on. She was in like a year, a year and a couple months when we met her. Dude, congratulations. Big kudos to you. Big kudos to what you're up to. And, and, and uh, you know, I, it, thanks for saving the industry money because I think when it comes down to it, especially as you, we get more and more independence, you know, in, in the salon, the hardest thing to do is, to, is, like you said, to get out of that 4 to 
and uh, and and you certainly are giving an avenue to do that. And so I commend you for that. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks from the industry, I guess. Thank you, dude. Alicia Soulier. You got it. (laughs) Very very much for joining us on your day off. Thank you. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>